No one sits around thinking, oh, I'm going to have to manage a pandemic. Welcome to Spur of the Moment, the podcast of Colorado State University's Spur Campus in Denver, Colorado. I wake up every morning and I'm I'm really uplifted by the kind of research that's being done and the way that it can improve the human condition. On this podcast, we talk with experts in food, water, and health about how they are tackling big challenges in these areas. And in some episodes, like today's, we focus on members of the CSU community and their contributions to solving big global challenges. I'm Jocelyn Hiddle, the Assistant Vice Chancellor of the Spur Campus, and I'm joined today by Joyce McConnell, the President of Colorado State University. Welcome, President McConnell. Thank you so much for having me, Jocelyn. I'm really excited to be here today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I will keep my introduction of you very brief today since we are going to talk more about your trajectory later. But I will mention that President McConnell came to CSU in 2019 from West Virginia University, where she had been provost since 2014. Though her career has spanned a variety of disciplines, President McConnell has a law degree from Antioch and a master of laws from Georgetown and has had teaching and leadership roles in the law school and in the law. So, President McConnell, how are you? And where are you? I'm great. Um, I'm doing very, very well. I'm thrilled, actually. I'm having the opportunity to be back on campus. Um, So that's been very, very exciting. So um, we're just seeing the beginning of the reopening. And as we've been calling it on campus, which I love, reuniting. Wonderful. Yes, that that must feel great. And and just uh, to orient uh, our listeners, we are talking here uh, near the end of May in 2021. So the school year in Fort Collins has come to a close. Um, so uh, what are some of the things uh, that, that you all have been um, doing in Fort Collins to sort of celebrate that, um, given the unique moment in time we're in right now? One of my favorite ways of seeing our students celebrate is our graduating students will come onto the oval in front of the administration building where the president's office is, fully in their regalia with their families, with photographers. And that to me is just a huge symbol of celebration and accomplishment. And one of the things I love to do is when I'm in my office, if I see them out there, I go out and I surprise them. Um, and then we all take pictures together and I get to be part of the celebration. Yeah, that's great. It must feel particularly good after a year of uh, on and off again, relative isolation and, and having to be distanced from the students that you are there to serve. So, President McConnell, you have been in your role since 2019. Can you tell us a little bit about coming to CSU? Why here? Such a great question because I'm so passionate about the land-grant mission. And when I was um, considering a presidency after uh, my role as provost at West Virginia, I really only wanted to be at a land-grant institution. I wanted a place that had as its central mission access. uh, And I wanted to be at a large public university that was um, not just talking the talk, but walking the talk and making it real. And Colorado State University is that place. 
And the other reason was, uh, as a law professor, one of the areas I was very interested in, worked on a lot, was natural resources and sustainability. And of course, Colorado State University rises above all other public universities in terms of its commitment to sustainability. So it seemed like a really good fit for me. Wonderful. Yes. And that commitment to sustainability, that's obviously something you and I share. We, we have talked about that. As you mentioned, CSU also has a, a big commitment and a lot of the work that happens at CSU is focused on sustainability, whether it's within the curriculum or how the facilities are managed or, or just in, in outreach and education of the general public. In addition to learning about the sustainability work that's happening at CSU, what are some of the surprising things you've learned about CSU over the course of the last couple of years as, as you've gotten more oriented? One of the things that has just been wonderful to learn and to experience is what a research powerhouse Colorado State University is in spaces that really matter to people uh, and to the planet. And so the way in which we've done research on water and disease, both in humans and in animals, in food production, in caring about the issues about um, feeding the world, in soil research um, for plant uh, productivity. It's just been, I, I wake up every morning and I'm, I'm really uplifted by the kind of research that's being done and the way that it can improve the human condition. And that's just been really thrilling for me. The other thing that is really extraordinary is we have amazing students um, and of course, amazing faculty who teach them. But the achievements of the students this year have just surpassed any other year. We um, had one of our um, new students, she's a native Venezuelan. She came here um, to study chemical engineering um, and she became our first Gates Cambridge fellow, um, which for those people who, who don't know what that means, it's, it's like being a Rhodes Scholar, but rather than being at Oxford, you're at Cambridge. Um, it was just a huge, huge achievement. Um, and then we also had a first gen, she was first gen, and we had another first gen scholar actually win the Marshall Scholarship, which is another huge, huge scholarship. And we've had, I think, nine students win National Science Foundation fellowships this year, just um, which gives us the largest, the highest number in the state. Of course, I'm very competitive, so I'm proud of that. <laughs> um, but what what that signifies for me is that the role of Colorado State University in providing access and then support for our students once they come means that we can elevate and work with them so that they're reaching the heights that they deserve to reach. And I just find that incredibly satisfying and I'm really proud of our students. And our faculty, of course, I talked about research, but I wanna talk for a minute about what they accomplish in the classroom. This year has been really challenging for all students and all faculty, whether it's um, K through 12 or higher ed, but our faculty were there for our students. And um, when I've run into students, I've asked them, how's your experience been this year? The first thing they talk about is the commitment of the faculty and how often their faculty reached out to them. So I'm very, very proud of, of what everyone's been able to accomplish. Yeah. And, and 
one of the things that we have talked about and and as we're starting to emerge, we hope, knock on wood, from um, a, what has been a very d- challenging time, I would say that CSU Fort Collins has weathered the pandemic remarkably well. Are there some other things about that that you'd like to highlight that you're proud of uh, around how CSU responded in, over the last year? Well, our... We were able to do as well as we did because we had really creative researchers who stepped up to um, really show us the way in terms of how to keep transmission down on campus. We had 4,500 first-year students in our residence halls, um, which was really a huge accomplishment for any university in the country. And we had about 65% of our courses in person or hybrid in the laboratory. And so the way in which we were able to continue to deliver education to our students, um, keep them healthy, uh, keep them on campus. Um, one, One student came up to me, I don't know if your listeners will remember this, but Labor Day of uh, 2020 was a really bleak day because of all the fires. Um, The sky turned orange, ash was falling. We were doing um, COVID testing on the upper deck of the stadium. And I had on a baseball cap, sunglasses, and a mask. And I was working the testing site and I assumed no one would recognize me. But this first year student came up to me and he said, are you President Joyce? I said, yes, I am. (laughs) And he said, well, I just want to throw my arms around you and give you the biggest hug, but I know I can't. And I just want to thank you because I don't want to go home. I want to be here. (laughs) And (laughs) it was just such a wonderful, wonderful, warm statement. And, And it drove home for me how important the college experience is for students that when they're 17 or 18, they're really ready for that experience. And I was so glad we were able to provide that. Absolutely. So that's one thing. I just want to give a shout out for our students. They were extraordinary. Yeah, that is a wonderful story. That's very heartwarming. And maybe hints a little at your answer to my next question, which is what are you going to be glad to put behind you? Um, Well, quarantine and isolation. Um, I hated knowing that our students, you know, had to be separated out from the residents in the residence halls when they were sick. But we did one thing that I think was really helpful was we assigned each student a case manager. Um, And I heard wonderful stories about our case managers, like going to Walgreens to get Twizzlers because the student was really craving them and couldn't get them any other way. Um, Those are really, really important touch points. Um, Just that humanity of our campus is something that's um, really important. And what I'm really looking forward to, and I keep saying, we have a very vibrant campus Um, and it's busy, and there are always bikes zooming by, and students skateboarding and dancing in the plaza, and I said, I'm going to know we're back when we're really reunited, when I have to jump out of the way of a bike or a skateboard, and then I'm going to be really happy. (laughs) Yep, that vibrancy, it's coming back. Yeah. We really want that back. Mm -hmm. So um, speaking of coming back, what's next for CSU? What would you like people to know about about the coming months and and the campus's emergence from from COVID-19? 
Well, we will be reuniting on campus fully in the fall. So um, the great majority of our classes, once again, will be in person. We'll just, the only classes that will be online are those classes that people want for flexibility. Um, so we're really, we're learning from the pandemic in the sense that we do understand that, for example, students on internship or students who have complex um, schedules, some of them still want to be able to take advantage of remote learning. But what we want is create the full campus experience. So we will be completely back um, in August with all of our events. Athletics will be up and, and as uh, robust as ever. Um, I'm looking forward to homecoming, as I know many of our students are. Um, we, you know, when I think about, well, what is it like when we're back? I think about the marching band, you know, being able to march and play together, which they haven't been able to for the last year. This summer, though, we're really having a huge reawakening on campus and particularly at our mountain campus. We have summer programming going on and our mountain campus, for those who don't know, is at 9,500 feet on the eastern slope of the Rocky Mountain National Park. It's exquisitely beautiful. And we have a tremendous amount of learning and particularly experiential learning that goes on up there. So that's, that's a real sign for me that, that everything's coming back. And, and we have camps going on on campus right now. We've got soccer camps and um, we've got 4-H and it's just really wonderful to see it opening up even in the summer. So can we talk a little bit about CSU's voice in the past year around some of the national conversations uh, around equity and social justice? Wh where is CSU on these issues? It's such a wonderful question. It's been such a important year for uh, both a national and global reckoning around issues of equity and racial justice. I've been really, really proud of our faculty and students and staff who've all mobilized to support one another during a time that's been very difficult. Um, and we've been very mindful about always being in a position to recognize what the struggles have been, what they are and how we can move forward together. And so building that kind of positive climate on campus has been very, very important to us over the last year. One of our professors just published a book. His name is Professor Dave McIver. He just published a book reflecting on many of the incidents this year and our response and the idea that um, we as a nation are engaged in collective mourning and grief. And um, I believe that that's true. And yesterday was the, um, uh, the year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. And um, I think that it was very important that we all pause and share that grief and mourning for a life that was extinguished way too early for reasons that um, we know are really unjust. And so, but I, I raised the issue of the professor writing that book as a way of really trying to capture that this really has been an all campus engagement on these issues. And they play strongly in our strategic plan going forward is how are we going to be 
equitable and inclusive, embrace diversity and teach about justice um, and help people understand um, how we can be a better nation, a better university and a better world. Yeah, we've seen so many different kinds of conversations on this front. Um, you've hit on some um, very serious ones around justice and and equity. And I think there is another conversation that is about inclusion and inclusion very early on uh, in people's lives so that we are doing a better job of bringing diverse voices to, to the table um, and bringing diverse young people together. So I wonder if you could also reflect a little on that. As you know, one of the things that the Spur Campus is focused on is how we can increase diversity in the career paths that maybe aren't as diverse historically in food and water and health. Can you reflect a little on engaging with with young people and including more people in these STEM disciplines? It's such an important question. I think SPUR is going to be phenomenal for bringing students into hands-on learning um, in the STEM disciplines. But I think what's really important about SPUR and about curriculum at CSU is that it's not abstract. It's not, oh, I want to be a scientist or or I just want to work in STEM. It's connected to improving human lives. How do we use STEM to grow healthy food and make it more available for more people? How do we make sure that water is, that we both have sufficient quantity, but that it's also clean um, and that it supports human and animal life and plant life? I think that that connection of food and water and health, whether it's in animals or people or the planet, is really where the rubber meets the road for all of us. And I think the to attract a greater diversity and make people feel um, and actually include them in process is engaging them in what we know motivates students most, which is doing something good in the world, making a difference. That's really what motivates. And if we can show how that connects through STEM, that's a great achievement. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm, I'm really excited about, it's one of the things that motivates me around the creation of the Spur Campus, right, is this idea that we are connecting these topics that do seem abstract to the realities of day-to-day -day life for a variety of people um, and really inspiring kids to think about careers they might not have thought about. Can you say a little bit more also about what you're most excited about about Spur and how the CSU Fort Collins campus will engage in Denver? I'm excited on so many different levels. Let me start with the student level. I'm really excited both about the students who will come from the Denver area or from all around the state to SPUR to have that hands-on experience. I'm really excited about how that can create a pipeline between the SPUR campus and Colorado State University in Fort Collins and, and how those students can get introduced into those larger issues and their role in solving global challenges, and then take that motivation and come to the university and complete degrees, not just undergraduate degrees, but graduate degrees. That's exciting. And then the other direction, I'm really excited about our students who are already enrolled, having the opportunity to do internships at SPUR, to share their knowledge and experience with students who are there at SPUR, 
and for our faculty to be able to share their expertise on the SPUR campus. And I think that's gonna result in this amazing collision of minds and energy and interest areas. And that's what I love most is sort of the, the spark that comes from people working together and seeing what they can accomplish. Wonderful. Yes, I'm looking forward to continuing to collaborate with you and, and your team to make all of that happen and really have the that spark and that activity and that that center of, uh, of vibrancy um, here in Denver as well. We're going to shift gears a little bit, if you don't mind, and talk a little about you. Also, as I think you know, one of the things that SPUR is uh, really hoping to achieve is to take some of the mystery out of some of the career paths in food, water, and health, and to engage and inspire kids to think about those careers and 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 also tell them how they get there. So one of the things we're trying to do is is introduce people to how how certain careers actually come to be, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? I mean, did you, when you were five years old, say someday I want to be a university president? No. And uh, everything has been a linear path since then, right? So maybe you can tell us a little about how you got where you are. It's such a great question because I'm not quite sure. I think... I think that my life has been a journey and my career path has really been a journey and a twisting and winding one. I think that the key to what I've ended up doing is that I've just, I've tried to prepare myself for almost anything. Um, and when I saw a door open, I was willing to take the risk of walking through it, even if I wasn't sure what was on the other side. And I think that's true for many of us that when you're five years old, you unless you your parents or university presidents, you don't even know what a university president is. And and but later on, as I went into high school, I did realize that I was really interested in a career that was going to improve the lives of others. I didn't know exactly what that career would be. Ultimately, it led me to law school. Um, and then law school led me to law teaching, and then law teaching led me to being a dean. And then um, I then became a provost. And for those people who don't know what a provost does, um, it's a chief academic officer for a university. And then after that experience, I was actually approached by presidents who had been presidents at West Virginia University. And they actually told me I'd been provost long enough and I needed to be a president. And that started my search. And here, here I am. So uh, that's wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I love to hear stories from people where their pathway wasn't so clear, right? And, and that there were these, these moments in their history where they made a decision one of the things I heard you say is there was a door open and you stepped through it. In your case, um, you stepped into uh, the presidency of CSU as the first woman president of the university. Can you say a little about what that is like and stepping through that particular door? Well, it's really interesting because I feel very prepared for the job. It doesn't mean that I make, don't make mistakes, um, but, but it does mean I feel like I have the background that prepared me for it. And I think that's important. I think when you walk through the door of something like a presidency, you don't know what's going to hit you. And I was only on campus for eight months before the pandemic hit. Um, and so no, no one sits around thinking, oh, I'm going to have to manage a pandemic. Um, 
<laughs> and so, you know, that's part of the risk, right? You don't know what's up ahead, but if you have adequate preparation and you surround yourself with a great team, and I, I feel like I have a great team, um, then you can do anything really. And um, I, I think you're right. When you walk through that door, it's, it's almost, I describe it like you're on the edge of a mountain and you're on a hang glider and you hope the hang glider will hold you up, but you don't know, but you step off anyway. And, and that's how, how moving into leadership roles has felt to me. Mm -hmm. And I asked that question in part because I do think it's important for us to remember and acknowledge that nothing is without some risk, right? And you need some courage to continue to take the next step in your career. Yeah. You asked a question specifically about gender um, and about being the first female president. And the first thing I would say about that is I'm incredibly proud um, and not just proud because I am the first female president, but proud that the university was open to having a female president after 150 years of men. And that's a big step forward for a large public university and particularly uh, a public land grant university. So I'm very proud of Colorado State University was really ready to embrace um, the difference of having a female leader. And it brings its own challenges, obviously, um, whenever you're you're breaking through a glass ceiling, but it's been a wonderful learning experience for me. I think it's been a great learning experience for the campus. I think that having been through the pandemic and shown my capacity to lead through the pandemic, that that's actually accelerated the ability for the entire campus to say, yes, she really is a good leader. Um, she really did get us through a hard time. And so any doubts of, you know, whether women can lead during a crisis, I think have been erased. And so in that sense, the pandemic really presented some significant challenges, but I think it brought the campus together more quickly. Yeah, no question. And, and I have heard uh, only high praise for your leadership over the last year and a half. So can you tell us a little bit about what's a day or a week in the life like for a university president? What is the job? Well, one of the things I love about it is that it's incredibly different all the time. And it's very, very busy. And there's no opportunity to be bored. Um, you, you asked me at one point earlier in the interview, you know, did I know I wanted to be a university president? Of course, the answer is no. But I did know that I didn't want to be bored that whatever I was gonna do as a job, I wanted it to be really active. And so an average day is full of very different experiences. So let, let me sort of capture, first of all, they're very busy days. There aren't many gaps in between, and they usually go from early in the morning and particularly when we're on campus, they go until late at night because there are so many events in the evening and it's important to show up and be part of those events. And then on the weekends, of course, there's a thousand other things going on. So I might start my day in a meeting with um, city leaders, uh, either chamber of commerce or city council. Um, sometimes those start at seven in the morning and they're very important meetings because they bring us together in the larger community. Um, and we're able to solve a lot of issues that way. So that's great. And then I have a meeting with my leadership team. 
Um, and that's always really wonderful. And then I start um, really a series of meetings all day long that are solving different problems. So I always say it's like you're always turning on a dime. You know, one minute you might be solving a facilities problem. The next minute you might be solving a classroom problem. You might be solving um, a budget problem. It's just crazy how, how quickly the day moves. But it also presents these amazing opportunities. Like uh, one day I met the governor and we went to the equine reproduction lab which is where we're doing just amazing research and work on um, the reproduction in horses. And not only did I get to go in the laboratory, but I also got to go in the barns and I got to see the newborn foals. It was, um, it, you know, it's extraordinary that I get to do that. Um, another day we have something, the Temple Grandin Equine Therapeutic Center, and you're gonna have something similar or we will have something similar at SPUR, um, the Therapeutic Riding Center. And I got to see um, young children who have uh, different kinds of um, issues that they're dealing with either physically or cognitively. Um, work with uh, physical therapists and occupational therapists and ride horses as part of their therapy. And um, I heard this amazing story about one of the young children. The physicians thought that he might not walk or have full mobility um, because of neurological issues. Um, and seven weeks after he started riding, he started walking. So the, 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 and this is a great illustration for, for listeners to think of is that connection between the brain and the body and how do you connect those two? And apparently riding a horse, bonding with the horse, the horse trusting you, you trusting the horse and all of the physical work that goes on with balancing, that's really making a difference for, for many young children with these challenges. So that when I think about my day, those are the sorts of things I think of. Then I might go have dinner with some students or a student group. And then there might be some event in the evening, like a concert or a lecture. Um, and so my, as you can see, the university president is a great role for someone who doesn't want to be bored. <laughs> Absolutely. And someone who is very curious and has a lot of interests. Um, yeah. It's a great fit. Yeah. Well, and yeah. it seems to be a great fit for you. We're, we're really thrilled to have you in that role. Thank you. We are uh, close to wrapping up here. So I just want to ask a couple of questions um, in closing. One is, where can um, people find you on social media, your office? How, how can they stay on top of everything that's coming out of your office? Well, that's wonderful. We have a Twitter account. We have an Instagram um, in fact, if you were to look at the Instagram, you would see that on Saturday morning, I was at the um, Master Gardeners Larimer County Farmer's Market, and uh, we took some great pictures of the Farmer's Market. It was really fabulous. And that's part of Colorado State's engagement and extension program. So it was exciting to be there. Um, my, I was with the vice president for engagement and extension, and he told his children that they were there to buy vegetables. Um, I told them that I was there to buy pie and gelatos. <laughs> <laughs> well, both are very good answers as to why one might go. 
Absolutely. Exactly. Um, So, and then of course, there's always our website. Um, And there is a president's page if people are interested in that, but um, we would love to have people keep in touch. Wonderful. Thank you. And we will share all of those links in the notes uh, as well. Thank you. So um, our last question is the spur of the moment question where I'm going to ask you a question that you have no idea what it's going to be. So um, for you, President McConnell, I know you have a background in music and you are a big music lover. So I won't ask the question if you only had one album to listen to for the rest of your life, because that's too hard. I know it is. So do you have a couple albums that are your go-to albums that you listen to um, that help you decompress or that you just love? I love that question. You know how much I love music. Um, and, And part of my journey, which I didn't touch on earlier, was being a roadie for rock and roll bands before I went to college. Um, and so there are, I do have some favorite albums. There's one by Emmy Lou Harris. I think it's one of her very early albums that I just love. Um, and I could listen to it over and over and over again. Um, so Emmy Lou Harris, really um, exciting. Uh, Almond Brothers, the um, Eat a Peach album. I could listen to that forever. It just has such an eclectic mix of of wonderful Almond Brothers guitar, and it's pretty uh, spectacular. Um, I would say those are my two top albums. My third one would probably be Miles Davis, and that really captures for me a very different kind of music, but beautiful jazz, really soulful phenomenal. And maybe a fourth would be um, listening to Brahms. You know, that sort of, that gives you a whole range, but, but I forgot one genre that I also really love, which is opera. So (laughs) I think that covers everything, doesn't it? Jazz, (laughs) rock and roll, bluegrass and country. Well, and it's, it is, um, it's a variation on a theme here, right? That you're a, a person with various interests, right? And that's why this, this is a great job for you and, and why your go-to albums span every possible, uh, musical genre. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. what about yours? Oh, um, that's, I wasn't expecting to have that be turned around <laughs> on me. Um, you know, Paul Simon's Graceland is one that was oh, on fabulous. in my house a lot when I was growing up. So that one always um, has a special place in my heart. Right. Well, thank you for answering that question and humoring our spur of the moment spontaneous <laughs> it was question. Fun. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you again for joining us on the Spur of the Moment podcast. And uh, we will, uh, as I said, share the information about how to stay up to date on everything coming out of the president's office and CSU in the show notes. And we're very much looking forward to uh, our uh, opening of Spur in January and all of the ways that CSU will be um, demonstrating the, the wonderful programs that will live down here in Denver. So thanks again for your time, President McConnell. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. It was a real pleasure. The Spur of the Moment podcast is produced by Peach Islander Productions, and our theme music is by Ketza. Please visit the show notes for links mentioned during today's episode. We hope you'll join us in two weeks for the next Spur of the Moment episode. Until then, be well.